welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm uh, your cut-for-time neophyte, Frank. And today we are going to be looking at Season 2 Deleted Scenes for a second time. <laughs> so before we jump into this too much, once again, content warnings on this are pretty much we will be covering a lot of the content that was discussed in Season 2. Um, so expect some discussion of sexual assault as well as abuse. Um... I think those are kind of the big two, uh, but anything that kind of was talked about in detail in season two has a tendency of being part of the deleted scenes in this in the season as well, um, which is interesting. So um, luckily, not as much weird sexual content as last time. You say that now, but <laughs> not as much. Not as much. But teenage sexuality is always something that needs to be as a content warning with these guys. Um, shall we begin? Yep. All right, so... Uh, Someone's oh, coming for a landing. Yep. Dahlia. <laughs> Dahlia. Oh, Dahlia. Um, so, we, so the first episode that we are going to be looking at for the second half is White Wedding. Um, and this one is called Manny About Weddings. Um, so as we know, especially this entity of Manny is deeply, deeply romantic and, and loves the idea of love, basically. Um, and in this one, Manny gets really mad at H at JT, um, because she thinks that weddings are very, very romantic and beautiful and wonderful. God, I miss this Manny. I, yeah, it's... <laughs> Manny. But part of me, but part of me, uh, I, okay, I, I'm happy Manny now has the knowledge she has. Yeah. But I did not want her to have to earn it the way she does. Yes, I agree. I think that she has grown in, in a way and learned concepts that I think, unfortunately, a lot of teenage girls learn, whether it's because their friends go through it or they themselves go through it. Um, and, you know, I... I also wish that she didn't have to go through all the fucked up shit that she has, but I mean that's part of growing up, right? It's it's kind of your your ideas changing and maybe still having those core ideas within you, but becoming way more realistic about them just because you've lived more of your life. Yeah. Which is sad when it's when we're talking about a teenage girl, but unfortunately happens a lot. Yeah. Um it's just like all I don't know, it just reminds me of like all the the moments where like Susie would explain something to me like this little trick she does to have, to keep herself safe. Mm -hmm. and I'm just like I hate the fact the world makes you like makes women have to act this way. Yeah, it yeah, it's the fucking worst. It is. It really truly is. So uh. <laughs> next is singing. Um. I feel like a lot of these Dillian scenes end up being Manny making being made fun of in some way. Um, in this one, she's literally just like singing at Emma and kind of laughing at herself as she's holding a can of Mountain Dew and two like fluted glasses. <laughs> and I was like, uh, what? <laughs> it was kind of goofy and fun. Yeah, this is the one I kind of missed. <laughs> yeah, I, it seems like like a lot of White Wedding seems to be Manny trying very hard to make <laughs> to like try and be like. Let's have fun. It is a wedding, guys. Like, let's try and have a fun time. And then everything's on fire. She's like, oh, well, uh, hmm. <laughs> I'm trying my best here. Next up is getting ready. Yep. I really uh, like this one. Okay, I like this one, but man, Spike's wedding dress just makes her look like a baked potato. Yep. <laughs> it's real ugly. Um, But it's like Emma showing fabrics that are, I guess are going to be used for tablecloths to Spike. Um... Don't you feel like if the wedding's a few days away, that should be locked down? This, this whole wedding is a fucking shit show, honestly. Um, oh my god. So, I, I'm just reminded of, like, my friends, when my friends Liz and Meg got married, mm -hmm. um, they wanted to have tablecloths, like, they were doing so much of the wedding themselves, and, like, the tablecloths became a thing, and I, like, driven up to Rhode Island for the wedding. Oh my god. I was, like, my, my thing is when I'm part of a wedding, even if I'm not even the in the wedding party, my job is to be there for whatever the bride or groom needs. Mm-hmm. 
And they were just like, oh man, how are we going to, like, all these table crawls all wrinkled, the wedding's tomorrow, we don't have this time. I was like, give me the smaller tablecloths, I will take them back to my hotel, which I know had my B&B, which was adorable, mm-hmm. and I will, like, iron them out. So what I'm hearing here is when we go to that wedding in October together for friend of the show Cassie, you'll be able to be suckered into some of the bridal party duties that I'm also going to be doing. I don't mind. Hell yes. <laughs> that is very good to know. Um, I mean, especially because, yeah, whatever. We'll discuss it later. <laughs> yes, we'll discuss the logistics later. Um, but your boys are going to a wedding for one of our <laughs> lovely co-hosts, and it is going to be a fun time. I've always heard about, like, other podcasters getting invited to get to, like, the weddings of their fans. And I don't know if any of them show up, but I would... Part of me would be like, I mean, I do love to dance. <laughs> I know that's the thing. It's like Frank just is such a such a party party person that I feel like we would end up just going. <laughs> okay, well there there's a difference between being a party person and just dancing. I don't get drunk at weddings. Every dance I've ever done, I've done stone sober. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you are a party person, just just uh, a sober party person. Yeah. Honestly, not a bad sell for a guest at a wedding. I will. I was thinking for a while about starting a business where I just got people on the floor. So you're just being a hype man. Essentially. Yeah. A dancing hype man. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them at, like, bar mitzvahs. Oh, shit. It is yeah. a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next career <laughs> career uh, chapter. That'll be better than my current job. Anyway. <laughs> right? Dark. But, <laughs> but um, anyway, Emma is showing fabrics to Spike, and Spike kind of jokingly says, like, you know, Emma, like, are you the one that's getting married? And Emma's just like, not yet! Like, she's, like, in motion doing everything as she's yelling this. Um, and Spike is really sweet about it, and how she talks about how she plans on being there for Emma at her own, at her wedding as, like, a return. <laughs> You're laughing, why? No, I was just thinking, like, in my own shipping head, she, like... Emma imagined her own wedding, and it's just like, like, do you think, what, like, she turns around, she's like, how do I look at Manny? She's just like, you look beautiful, let's go get married. If only. <laughs> if only. Um, Spike, then Meanwhile, you know, at- Paige and Alex are throwing rice and very clearly together. <laughs> <laughs> I love this vision. This vision is very, very good. Um, and Ellie's there, too. Also no, they're, they're in a polyamorous <laughs> relationship, it's fine. It's actually a very functioning relationship, and they love each other very, very, very much. They all wear rings together. Their ring fingers are very heavy and lovely. Anyway, um, Spike asks who is attending the wedding from Emma's friend group. Um, and very important, pointedly, she asks if Sean is coming. Emma's like, uh, and then Spike then threatens to invite Sean if Emma doesn't. Um, and Emma is like trying to shut it down as quickly as possible. Um, and then Emma goes to admire Spike as she's getting her wedding dress fitted, and it is ugly. It is this fabric that doesn't quite look like tinfoil. I forget the kind of fabric it is, but it's just, like, wrinkled. I know it's not really, it's not, like, in a, like, it's supposed to look like this texturally, but it's, like, she has, like, the dress itself, which is very heavy and unflattering, on somebody so short. I feel like we, we short folks do not look good in any of these types of looks because then there is the um, shrug that goes over her shoulders, which also just kind of furthers this image of her looking very much like she is in a cocoon as opposed <laughs> to like an outfit uh, that is flattering by any means. But of course Emma's like, wow, you look so good. And I get it, but what the fuck? <laughs> So at first I was going to be like, well, it looks like a wood dress that they pulled out of a thrift shop. But I was like, no, like, Snake has a teacher salary and she has a hairdressing salary. She's a hairdressing instructor salary. Like, oh wait, no, that was the mother from Dear George Clooney, Please yeah. Marry My Mom. So yeah, but like, they both have... They have jobs. Yeah, like... And also like... Somebody just looked at her and was just like, that color. But like, that dress. And also with with Spike, like, she looks like the type of person who knows her way around a thrift store. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she knows how to go to a thrift store and buy something, and maybe it doesn't look good off the rack, but she knows how to, like, make it look good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. That was ugly as sin. It was bad. Um, but the scene itself is very cute. I think it would have been fine if it was kept in it. I think it just... I, I really like... 
I like when we really get to see Spike and Emma's relationship and how it developed because of the nature of the relationship, because this is a single mother structure for so much of Emma's life. Um, it's really nice to kind of see how their relationship is a little different from some of the other kids in the relationship with their parents because in so many ways it was just the two of them for so long and Emma had to kind of grow up a certain way because of it. Yeah. Um, it's always nice to see that type of structure. Um, the next is Wedding Cake Arrives. This one's wacky. It's uh, So now we find out why the wedding cake was for our bar mitzvah and because the cake maker didn't speak English, I it's guess. It's like that... It's, it's the same type of xenophobia that was in that plot in which Quan was teaching ESL. And, yeah. like, Jimmy and Spinner pranked um, pranked her and got all the chicken wing orders. And the, the students all chip in. But the way that they do is, like, in that plucky, stereotypical type of delivery of the way that the actors are and everything. Mm -hmm. It's the same vibe. And in this case, the woman can't really say anything outside of singing the word wedding cake. And Emma is having no ability to really talk to her. And it's just, it's also in a way that's just, you can tell whoever wrote this scene. It's written in a way that the person doesn't really understand how, what it's like when a person doesn't, when people don't speak the same language. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like then it becomes like that person speaking in a way that may come off very simplistic if you're not if you're like listening in as the person who speaks the other language but in actual they're usually gesturing or trying to find a way to be heard and this person just kind of comes off kind of ditzy and unknowing foreign person yeah um only we can go hard on like a 30 second clip well it was just also i was just like emma honey do you not recognize the problem immediately with that cake in that it's single tier? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, you know, I've never seen a single tier wedding cake. Right. Like, unless it's like a groom cake or whatever that fucking shit is. Like, there's no way. Yeah. Um. So the next scene is three or four. This one is kind of whatever. It's Emma and Manny watching TV and eating junk food. And Manny has like three or four jawbreakers in her mouth, I think. <laughs> It's, like, really hard to discern what's actually in her mouth during this whole thing. which But I assume, because I feel like that's one of the only things you really count in increments other than, like, marshmallows. <laughs> I think you'd be able to tell how many jawbreakers you have in your mouth. Yeah, she's just in... It's really weird. I feel like all of these deleted scenes for White Wedding make her come off like a ditz. Yeah. I'm kind of glad a lot of them are cut, because I feel like they're just not what Manny is. Like, I feel like she's naive, but... I feel like naive and ditzy are two different characteristics, yeah. right? Like, her being in love with the concept of love is not the same as her being like, I don't know how many jawbreakers I have in my mouth. <laughs> like, I'm glad that they opted to cut some of these because I just think that they were kind of silly and, and give Manny a kind of insipid vibe that I don't think is necessarily her. Yeah, and Manny, the answer should always be one or less. <laughs> yes. Um, next is Careless Whisper. Um, this one's called Gay Vibes. Um, this one's interesting, um, because it starts off with Jimmy noticing, like, how Marco is, like, really upset, and Spinner then goes off and does this really gross, exaggerated gay voice, basically, to kind of, pair, like, you know, uh, make fun of Marco, um, which... Spinner, we've talked about this before, I hate Spinner's homophobia, but I think the reason why I hate it so much is because this is what boys were like, and to a certain extent still are like in in terms of responding in a homophobic way yeah. like he is such a moment in time um not to say that homophobic teenage boys don't have similar trappings in in the contemporary time but the way that spinner reacts and responds his fears quote unquote things like that they are all of the time period um and ashley points out that Spinner is, like, actual, offending actual gay people. Um, so she's, like, of the mind that Marco isn't gay, but the way that he, if there were gay people present, Spinner would be offending them. Um, and then specifically notes her father as, like, one of these potential gay people. Um, and is trying to make Spinner feel bad in that sense of, like, I, it's, it's kind of interesting, too, because I feel like it's a very straight, 
straight person who still doesn't really understand what allyship looks like type thing in the sense of it's like, I'm not offended, but I understand this is offensive type of response. <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm not actually that pissed off, but I can imagine people being pissed off. So please stop doing it. <laughs> um, and then Jimmy, Jimmy's interesting because he says that he gets gay vibes from Marco, but that he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And I, kind of like that yeah i i feel like it because i get it and i i think that's the thing it's like yes you want to say like you know don't stereotype blah 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 but i think that's a really real reaction to have sometimes where you can kind of sense maybe something is up and maybe it is that they are gay or maybe it is that they are questioning or something like that um for various reasons i mean marco is a mess during this era like during this point in time he is a nervous wreck even being in contact with, like, shirtless boys. So, like, Jimmy picking up on something like this does not seem entirely ridiculous, because I think also Jimmy is quite observant. I think that's why the way that he makes fun of people is so calculated, because he makes observations and then holds on to them to strike. So the fact that that can go in another direction and go, hey, I noticed something's weird with my friend. I'm a teenage boy and I don't really know how to talk about it, but I do know it and I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do anything about it feels very in line with his character. But he's like, I don't care he's gay. And Ash is like, I won't care either. <laughs> it just speaks to what a good boy Jimmy is. Yeah. Um, yeah, this whole scene just seems very real. Like, it feels very yeah. much like what happens when a bunch of, like, well, somewhat well-minding to not very well-minding straight people sit together. This is what I've said. This is the shit I had to deal with back in high school and now. Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um... God damn it. I'm just thinking about all the times people were basically, like, other dudes were just like, you're, you're white like me, let's talk about our, about our favorite minorities. I'm like, no, let's go, why don't you go away? I still can't believe that happened to you. Like, what a horrifying thing. I, it, it happens. <laughs> I know, I know, it's just terrifying. We, um, um, actually today we had, I had something like that happened. Um, my landlord came over to get the door fixed, to get our garage door fixed, and, like, pay the guy. And mm-hmm. at the end, like, she didn't put the full name on the check for the for the dude's business. Mm-hmm. And, like, then he stood there and explained checks to her for a good Holy three or four shit. minutes. And, like, my face essentially went, like, from this to this. And... I was just like, I want you to just feel this glower I'm sending towards you. And then, like, the minute he turned away, I started, pull- I pulled the garage door down. And I didn't want to say anything, but I just thinking, I was like, what a douchebag. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Jesus. Because he, like, looked at me and said to, like, back him up. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Oof. Well, I'm glad that you did not indulge him. Yeah. Um, so the next one is JT's Hope Slash Fear. Um, and this is when they are writing the essays about hopes and fears. Um, so it's JT and Toby talking. Uh, Toby spaces out, and then JT talks about how he fears writing his essay and that he hopes an asteroid hits so he doesn't have to. Um, and then Toby delivers that iconic line about, like, um, his, like, his fears that... I fear Kendra hates me. I hope I will die soon. Yes! Which is, like, one of my favorite lines in this series, in all honesty. Guess what's not... Guess what's mine? Not the favorite. This next scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, so next one is worrying about Kendra. Um, and it's Toby and JT entering the school and Toby talking about... Um, talking about, like, going out with Kendra and how he prevented her from sitting on cheese on public transportation? Yeah, I know public transportation can be scary, I say, as somebody who uses it literally every single day, but... This is yet another story that's more interesting than the actual plot of the episode. Why was there cheese on the bus? Yeah, like, I got I got questions. Why was there loose, unaccompanied, unaccompanied cheese? Yeah, what, what's happening here? Um, and that... Was it that hard to say gum? Right? Like, wouldn't that make more... That makes more sense. Yeah. Like gum or half a sandwich that had cheese on it or like somebody bed spilled bugs. coffee yeah like <laughs> anything uh, if, if Toby can spot bed bugs he's basically a red-tailed hawk uh, I mean <laughs> you haven't heard about the bed bugs on buses <laughs> sorry not to scare you um anyway 
Anyway. Um, they, Toby's talking about this, and then he's also worried because, like, she's behind in English and, like, is concerned about how he can support her with this. If only, if only Kendra had a brave, bespectacled man to come save her. Oh, wait, no, she doesn't need that. God. Awful. Um, next is Hot for Teacher. There's a lot of deleted scenes from this episode. I, I'm also, before we go on, I want to bring your attention to some of the names of the bloopers that I feel like we should watch. Line Erasing Kiss. Whoa! Dr. Oh. Dr. Sally's line. Dr. Sally's line. Oh, boy. <laughs> Another time we can do bloopers. Um, so in Hop for Teacher, the first scene is called No Chance. And... Emma uses the photocopy machine and then approaches JT as he is looking up information. Um, and as she's watching him research, which I think is from when he was researching the guinea pigs and, like, not typing guinea pig correctly, <laughs> um, Emma is checking in to be like, you know you have no chance with Hasselakos, right? Like, just so you know, you're hopeless. Um, and then JT's just like, it's not like that. And Emma then goes, oh, is it a physical thing? And JT is, like, really fucking upset about it and i i actually quite liked jt's reaction to it because you can tell how how much he has grown even within the course of that episode yeah like when you're trying to overcome something you don't want to be reminded of your bad behavior exactly exactly and like i think it also speaks to how validated he feels working with her and how he feels like he has a sense of purpose that just his friends don't give him which some of this is self-imposed from his behavior, but not always. And, you know, you see him trying to really push back because of it. Um, next is, think I could be a vet. And JT asks Toby about being a vet. Um, and Toby is just like, well, it's as hard as being a doctor. Um, you should probably stick to comedy. Which I feel like is an understatement. I would argue being a vet, at least becoming a vet, is way more brutal because there's so fewer schools you can apply to. Yeah. It's a fucking nightmare. Um, I've had this conversation with multiple people where it's just like, I think I could be a doctor before I could be a vet. Yeah. Like, I, and salute to the actual vets out there. Yeah. Like, I couldn't do that job because, like, I'm a person, I feel like I can explain this is what's happening. I'm also, I know I'm like under my, like, I'm downplaying what doctors have to go through yeah but like a human you can explain pain to them and cats and dogs and birds and whatnot you're like i know you're suffering you can't understand why you're suffering just let me make you better please my thing that i think about with vets is um so like you know there are some doctors that usually when they see a patient it's it's dark you know what i mean like if you're an oncologist your your course load is always going to be kind of grim no mm -hmm. matter what but like not every doctor is like that right like if you're a pediatrician kids come in for checkups but like i feel like with vets so few people actually consistently bring their pets for vet to the vet for checkups they only come in when something bad is happening yeah like i feel like that has to wear them down a bit because some people are just not great pet parents and don't fucking like let their animals come in just to be checked in on it's just like oh my animal is really fucking sick do something um the vet my mom takes our her cats to he actually um, a Great Dane got brought in for leg problems because apparently these awful people were letting their child ride it like a horse. No, they're not supposed to. Their backs can't take it. Yeah, and like the vet's like, I am confiscating this dog. I will call the ASPC on you. I will call whoever I need to and then fix the dog for free and get found at a better home. Hell yeah. And I also sent, I saw a Reddit story where somebody's like, drug deals of Reddit. What's the weirdest thing somebody ever like tried to use in lieu of drugs? And this guy's like, Somebody offered me their dog for a 50 bag. What the fuck? And, like, I took that dog because it was very clear this person was not taking care of it. And that was, then don't tell my current dog, but that was the sweetest dog I ever owned. And we had eight great years together. Oh, that's a really sweet thought, all things considered. It's, so. yeah, it's just, that's what I think about with vets. It's just, like, I feel like the, what you said, but also the fact that, like, a lot of the time when you see them, they are busted. <laughs> I'm sure there are success stories that help you get through, but, like, it can get very grim very fast. Anyway, Toby thinks that JT should stick to comedy. I personally think I should just stick to writing and, <laughs> you know, shout out to any vets that listen to the show. Yeah, well, the thing is, you're good at writing. JT was not good oh, at comedy. Oh, shucks. Thanks, Frank. 
Um, <laughs> next is the dating age formula. And this is when they're talking about the age formula where you do the math of how young you can date. We've all done it. At least we talked about how, well, talked about it during the episode. Um, and everyone's kind of sitting, the, the kids are kind of all sitting at a table. They're supposed to be doing math homework uh, or math work during class. And JT starts talking about how he's into older women. Um, and he cuts himself off when he sees Armstrong pass by. And Armstrong looks down at the paper they're doing the math, and he does that patented. Uh, let me let me make sure I get the right timber for it. He just kind of looks over and goes, "Huh, interesting." Before he like <laughs> walks away, which is my favorite thing to do when kids screw up. Like if I catch them, I just do that and I just walk away. Like I don't actually go like, "What are you doing?" Blah blah blah. blah. I'm just like, "Huh." okay and just kind of walk away and that usually is enough to de-escalate the situation and have them put whatever they need to put away away have you ever tried just like writing something quickly down in your book and then just walking away um i've done i do have an open notebook when i teach so i have not i don't usually do that too too much usually i save it for the end but um that would be kind of funny to do to freak them out a little bit <laughs> just talk um, very quietly into a, a, a tape recorder yeah just <laughs> it's actually just my grocery list, but it keeps them on their toes. Um, what I want to do is the next one. Um, and this is JT. This is just a variation of when he's kind of talking about it. It's when he does the vegetarian joke and everything. And then he talks about how he wants to be a sit-down comedian. Um, and Hasselak was just like, mm, okay, uh, can you please just clean the fucking cages? Wasn't there one... Um... Where, I thought, isn't this the one where Sean makes the lewd? No, that's next. That's Magnets. Oh, okay. But uh, what do what I want to do is very, it's simple. Okay. Next is Magnets, which is foul. Magnets is fucking foul. Because it's Sean doing the thing where he takes his fingers, puts them underneath his shirt, strep, out, like, you know, stretches out his arms to make it look like he's got titties with hard nipples on them. Which is like so. It just doesn't feel like Sean. Like I mean, I know he does the hot sauce shit and things like that, but like it goes a step too far, which I I assume is why it got cut. Mm-hmm. It just goes in a direction that's just like okay, okay, time out. No, I don't need to see this. It's kind of like Spinner talking about his boner for way too long in some of the other deleted scenes in season two. It's just like sometimes you hit a point that is just like we're good, we get it, we don't need any more. So uh, he does that. He's like, hey JT, and he does it, um, and then he calls JT guinea pig boy. Um, and then Hasselakos tries to run class, and as she's running class, it's chaos, people are not really participating, Liberty is raising her hand desperately to answer a question. Being, like, just the straight-up Hermione Granger she is. She's trying so hard. <laughs> um, then JT runs his mouth, and Hasselakos says that he's in timeout, and he's like, what do you mean I'm in timeout? She's like, you wanna be fucking treated like a child? Guess what? You got it. You're in timeout. <laughs> I kind of laughed at this in the sense that, like, I have just had told kids to just walk. I was just like, take a lap. Like, get out of the classroom, take a lap, come back. And I won't, I won't say that you're cut. Like, just come back within, like, five minutes. It doesn't not work. It actually works pretty well with the right kids. I, I would argue, like, because, so, like, like, I feel like she, she actually did a pretty good job of not just, like, escalating it, which I feel like happens a lot when you're a teacher, you get very heated, and then you start yelling, which is kind of a, inter- which was kind of a piece of this in this episode eventually. But I think her, even though using the word timeout was kind of egregious to JT, the idea of just being like, look, like, you need to fucking take a seat, it's not a horrible idea. Um, but as, after that happens, Emma leans in and mouths loser and puts the L, shape of an L, on her forehead before she, uh... Looks back at class. Because of that, we're going out now on All Star. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, the next are the ones from Message in a Bottle. Um, Sean takes a drink is the first one. Snake asks if Sean is having a good time. Um, and then picks up a plate. Sniffs it and goes, Oishi. Which is fucking embarrassing. <laughs> um, and then he's like, hey Sean, if you bring a plate, you'll make a good impression. Um, and then like... Barely, barely a beat goes by between when Snake leaves and when Sean runs over to a bottle, pours out a cup of liquid, pours out a cup of liquid from this bottle of some alcohol, pours it in a cup, drinks the whole cup, and then leaves the used cup right fucking there. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm ready for any adult to stop picking up and go, that's weird. Yeah, right? Like, I'm looking at it, I'm like, dude, like, I get it, kids do this, but, like, you gotta be a little more slick. Because if it's not Spike, he is busted. Right, well, right. Like, if it's not Spike picking up the glass, because we all know she's pregnant at this point. Exactly. Um, um, the thing, you know, I'm actually proud of myself, like, I've not looked up anything about Snake's past. That's really good, because hopefully someday we'll be able to look at some of those archives. Well, you I, get to see Baby Snake. Yeah, well, it's also just, like, I don't want to know if he was a bad kid or a good kid. That's fair. Like, I know his name is Snake, I don't know why, but, like, you know, I just want to, just want to, I have my own expectations, I want to see how they match up. That's fair. And hopefully we'll get to those sooner rather than later. Um, but then the scene ends with Sean leaving with the plates. Um, next is guess who got invited? Um, and Terry's just, Terry's going to Ashley asking her to guess who got invited. Ashley is just like, uh, I mean, I assume you and not me. And Terry reveals that actually they both were invited. Um, and then Ashley and Terry talk about Jimmy and Ashley's just like, hmm, maybe we're meant to be. Huh, that'd be kind of nice, right? Like, it looks like everything's working out, huh? <laughs> Which we know it doesn't really, but... God bless her. Uh, next is Deathmatch din Dinner. Um, and Sean is talking about how he's not psyched to have dinner with Emma's family. And Manny is trying to reassure him. Um, and then Toby's just like, well, you know, Jimmy fucking bombed the first time that we all had dinner. He vomited tuna tartare, like, right then and there. So, like, <laughs> you know, you might be okay. <laughs> or not. It's horrible, I guess. <laughs> I feel like this is the type of humor I like Toby doing. Um, and Manny is just like, you know, well, Toby's parents really like Jimmy, so, like, it all worked out in the end. Um, and Sean is just, like, slowly dissociating. Like, he's just slowly disconnecting from the mortal realm. I wish the scene was in there. I do, too. I think it would have been... I think it's, like... It's the kind of humor that I think that teen drama should have in the sense that this is the type of shit that teenagers do right like they do this really like you know sarcastic doom and gloom type of thing while the other one's like well it could be fine and the other one's like or you could fucking die like i feel like that's what it's like having friends that when you're a teenager well i also feel like this is more of a cartilage scene than some of the other ones mm -hmm. where it just helps it build up because i was like i don't get it like i understand a bit but i don't understand exactly why sean is so nervous, but then having this here and watching him go through it would have really added to it. I agree. I agree. Um, Jimmy helps Ash study is the next one. It's when Jimmy approaches Ashley, um, and she's freaking out about math, and they're having like a they're having a quiz soon. So he kind of quizzes her right then and there. Um, just quick questions like what's well, the right angle or whatever the fuck. And as he's asking these questions, she's answering them. Um, and he's just like, yeah, you got this. Like, he's just being positive, and it's really sweet. And, um, she is super appreciative of it. Jimmy, once again, being best boy. Yes, it's true. Uh, next is Relax, uh, Left Wing Lock. This scene is kind of whatever. It's just Liberty going through plays. And she's demanding a response from the team. Um, and she keeps snapping at everyone. Still wearing her fucking cape. Oh, yeah, and she's, like, noting the weakest link. Um, and Kendra demands Liberty being like, hey, like, do you even know how to do a slap shot? You keep running your mouth at us about how to play, but, like, can you actually play? Um, and Liberty fails to do a slap shot, and then Kendra asserts her dominance by fucking <laughs> doing a slap shot and all the girls cheering. This needed to be in there. I did not care for, like, this Liberty, nor did I care for the treatment she got, but fuck, I would just love Kendra styling all over her. What if Kendra just ended up becoming an anime jock, like, by Icon? I'm sorry? What if, like, Kendra was able to thrive on the show and she just became this anime jock who was, like, into girls in some extent? <sighs> would have been amazing. Right. Who would... Okay. I don't know who she would have been with because she's a grade younger than everybody. Which also would have opened up the space to introduce more characters with her if they actually kept her. Mm. And then it would have been interesting watching Spinner's life slowly fall to everyone being gay around him and him having to, like, really do some unpacking and stop being a fucking dick. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of who of the... Manny. That would have been healing. That would have been so good. Oh, my God. And Kendra would have indulged her in, like, the... You know what? This would have been, like, a very, like... 
very like uh fucking like um getting like a sailor moon vibe from this okay so kendra helps manny learn floor hockey yes um manny teaches kendra how to do all the gymnastic stuff That'd be really cute. So, like, then, like, one day they're just playing, like, soccer or whatever, mm-hmm. and Kendra just busts out, like, a sick, like, flip kick. I love it. And just, like, kicks the kicks a goal or whatever. I really love this. This is good content. <laughs> to cross your writers, hire us, like, 15 years too late, please. <laughs> Fucking Netflix show is canceled. I can't even aspire to get picked up onto the Netflix show. I just imagined, like, the, the studio keeps coming back, like... So, there's literally no heterosexual ships on this show. Yep. That's kind of... I will say this, it does start feeling that way on the uh, Netflix version. Like, there are some straight people left, but honestly, uh, even just now, after I haven't seen the, the... I haven't watched the Netflix Degrassi in a little bit, and, like, I can name at least, like, five characters who are somewhere in the LGBTQ community. I mean, I feel like if we were the writers and they brought that note back to us, it would just be, we'd be like, look, you either let us break these boys down and, like, rebuild everyone but Marco, or everybody's just, all the girls are just gonna date each other. Exactly, like, sorry, that's just how it goes. Um, <laughs> Do you think, like, if Darian had been at all a thing in Southern Moon, I would not have shipped, you know, fucking Usagi with literally everybody else. Right. Oh. Uh, Ma- Mamoru. Just like, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Dahlia's I mean, in my lap, but reaching her tiny paw onto Frank's leg. Meanwhile, I'm watching My Hero Academia and shipping the fuck out of Bakugo and Araka. Oh, you're one of those shippers. Well, just like after the sports festival, when he like, the one person he's finally able to admit is like powerful mm-hmm. or like not fragile. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Understandable. I don't ship any heterosexual ships on that series, but that probably doesn't shock anybody. (laughs) I mean, I ship Minota with the garbage can. There you go. His future and forever home. There you go. (laughs) Um, Next is Get Out of My Locker. Seems kind of funny. Um, So this is during the whole entire thing where um, Terry claims that Paige is going to die soon. Um, and Paige is trying to milk it for all it's worth, and Terry is approaching, and Paige and Hazel orchestrate the scene in which Paige is just like, what are you doing to my things? What are you doing to my locker? And, like, she pulls out a hoodie, and (laughs) Hazel marked the hoodie with an H in tape on it, and she's just like, I'm just making sure that, like, you know, I get what I want when you die. (laughs) Which is fucking hilarious. Uh... I'm sorry. It's really fucking funny. Page X scripting forever. I know. Um, and then Terry's just like, oh, and like, that's so mean. And she like holds Paige as Paige fake cries. And then Paige is just like, oh, by the way, can you please do my book report? So I'm gonna die. It's really funny. I, it's just really funny. I'm sorry. I know it's mean, but it's funny. Um, next is with these uniforms. Um, this one's pretty whatever. It's Liberty talking about, like, how the team has a positive future uh, with their new uniforms. It's right after she receives her team manager uniform um, because uh, Joey decided to sponsor them. It's whatever. I I think they've handled it fine in the episode. Yeah. Next up is Liberty Bonaparte. Yes, and this is Liberty talking about how she'll lead them to victory like Napoleon. <laughs> God, I'm so tired of this. If I never have to think about Napoleon ever again, be, I'd be good. Whatever. Um, next is the alternative end. Uh, well, I think it was technically Telling Joey is next. I skipped this one because this made me so awkward. What, the Telling Joey scene? Yeah. Um, the Telling Joey scene... Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty cringy. Um, it's Joey looking at Liberty's flyer and being like, I haven't decided who I'm going to pick yet. And Liberty brings up the, the, the challenge that they're having with the boys team. 
And he's just like, well, I don't know, you're competing for money, that's weird. And she's just like, well, that's what sports are all about. Like, it's about competition, so, like, really, this is what, what happens. Um, and then he's like, you know, you'd make a good lawyer. And she goes, I, I see myself more in politics, like, Napoleon. I'm like, I know it was to keep the thread, but I was just like... <laughs> well, the thing, okay. I think because they wanted to name some kind of famous dictator, but, like, who can you name that's not, like, in recent memory and just horrifying? Right. I was just like, okay. Would, would have been amazing if she's just like, you know, kind of like George Washington, but I wouldn't have been a wuss and would have taken the throne of America. Yeah, like, something <laughs> like that, no. I'm just like, okay. Um, the next one is the alternative ending. Um, and this one is an interesting thought, which is Hasselakos noting the struggles of the coach. She's doing the whole entire, like, talk to Liberty, and as they're doing that, all the girls run over and reveal that the boys somehow really, really fucked up the later part of the game, and the girls actually won, and the jo and Joey's congratulating them. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. I'm I'm actually I'm happy with that they lost. I think I think the ending the other ending is sweeter. Um I much prefer it, I think ultimately. I appreciate that they tried both to see what worked. Next is dressed in black and it's Toby hides his purchase. Um so this is right after he buys the condoms. Um and he literally stuffs them under his shirt as soon as he enters the house and as he's doing that the parents tell him to help out with the dishes, and Jimmy and Ashley are kind of ins are instigating Toby and are like, hey, like, what's going on, buddy? Why you look a little weird? Um, and he's just like, oh, you know, it's Sheila's sauce, which is like his only excuse when it comes to food-related stuff. Um, next is the picture. Um, and this has to do with Jimmy having the picture of Ashley from the year before as opposed to a picture of her now. Um, and Jimmy is just like, oh, well, I can't take the picture down now, like, uh, and he just kind of swerves out of the fucking conversation. <laughs> I think they did a more than effective job in the episode showing this. It really wasn't needed, yeah. but it is kind of funny watching Jimmy continuously be like, oh, I don't know why, huh? Um, the next is the real Ash. I really like this scene, actually. Um, because Ellie, it's when Ellie reacting to Ashley's look when she kind of tones it all down. Um, to be someone she's not, quite frankly. And Ellie is just like, you know, I don't get it. And Ashley's like, this was the real me from before. Um, from before you knew me. And Ellie's just like... And, like, and Ellie says something that I find to be pretty poignant, which is that, like, you know, I don't have a problem with this if this is the real you. And I like that, because I think that, I don't know, I like how this has, like, a, it's it's an alteration of this type of conversation, right? Because usually it's the, the goth person being questioned for their gothness being authentic. Mm -hmm. And now we have somebody going, like, someone doing it in the opposite direction. It's just like, you know, if, if that is, if this is not who you want to be, then why the hell are you doing it? Yeah. Next, air from Fight for Your Right. Um, first one is Spin gets his job back, and Spinner enter. It's Spinner entering the uh, cafeteria, approaching Sheila, saying that he needs a job, um, and she is just like, "Well, welcome back, buddy. Time to work on the mutton stroganoff." I'm sorry, Dahlia, you smell. <laughs> she's a, she's a shithead. <laughs> I have I made coasters a couple months ago. And they are just insults of her um, <laughs> that I call her. And one of them is Poopy Head. Because sometimes she smells like poop. She smells like poop right now. Yep. Anyway. She's she's not great at wiping her ass. Um, there's nothing else much to this. Sheila just, like, sends him back there. Yep. Next up is the scene, the, the my favorite deleted scene of all season two. Yes, it's the extended food fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, I don't care. Like this? This is what happens when you jump. <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry, my cat is like the worst thing to happen to podcasting. Um, anyway, um, this is just delight. It's kids screaming, throwing stuff, squirting like mustard at each other. Um, JT takes fucking mustard to the eye. 
Like, it's just total chaos. The kids are having so much fun. Like, you can tell that they're smiling and that they're laughing and that they're having a really good time doing this. Yeah. Like, I think Craig is just scooping up handfuls of spaghetti. Yep. Just hucking it across the room. Yeah, it's... It's, it's roughly, like, they, they have, like, a pound of food, like, maybe four or five pounds of food between them, and just keeps flying, over, like, over the course of the cafeteria. Yeah, it's it's really funny. It's very sweet and really funny, and it... I mean, it was really good in the episode. It's fun seeing the extended... Um, it's fun because you can tell the extras are also having a blast. And I think some of them are having a little too much fun hitting the principal characters. <laughs> um, next are the ones from How Soon Is Now. And the first one is Paige is Fine. Um, I got really confused by this. Cause Paige is, like, doing a fake ad for what I thought was, like, edge control. I was like, huh. <laughs> Interesting. Um... And as she's doing that, Ashley's checking in on her and Dean. Um, and Paige is saying that, you know, Dean is far away. And she, um, and like, you know, as long as he's far away, she's safe is basically like what she is saying there. Um, and then Ashley is just like, you know, that may not always be the case. Mm. <sighs> Next is the whole cheer. This one is just Paige doing, leading the cheer. It's kind of funny because, like, the principal characters know, like, are saying the cheer, but the extras are not. So it looks a little odd. I think, like, the extras are there because they actually know how to do cheerleading stunts, which makes sense. And the cheer is not really, like, an easy one. Like, it's not really, like, uh, one of the go-to ones that a lot of cheerleaders use. So I understand that maybe they didn't necessarily know them or they couldn't because then they have to pay them more money. But it's kind of funny watching, like, three girls yelling at the top of their lungs and then the other two just kind of, like, the other three being, like, super stone-faced. And then at the end of the routine, JT, as the panther slides and flops. <laughs> and next is He's Coming. Um, and this one is Paige walking toward the board that has kind of the brackets for the competition that is happening that weekend. And she's looking at Dean's school's name on it. Um, and Hazel is just like, you know, maybe you should tell Sove. I'm sure she could get him kicked out. And then she's like, I mean, or I guess you could just stay home if you don't feel, if you don't want to see him. Um, and Paige gets really upset. And this I really felt, like, her talking about how she just does, she's tired of, like, losing because of him. And I think that there, you know, once again with this, it's like you never really want to wish or like enjoy watching a fictional character go through shit like this, or a real person for that matter, obviously. But Paige is hitting a lot of these notes that I know as somebody who has worked with survivors, like this was a thing that a lot of people talk about. Just like all the wasted time you spent being in fear. All, and and it's, you know, it's, it's your trauma response, but for a teenager to be like, I don't want to fucking do, like, you know, I just want to fucking cheer and I don't want to be in fear all the time. And having her be so fucking upset about it really hit me. Um, and Hazel is just like, yeah, but like, if you stay, if you go, like, do you actually think you could face him? Mm. And it's rough. And I do kind of wish this was kept for a variety of reasons, but also because I think that after Shout, I really think they dropped the ball on Hazel's role in it. I think that they... It got overtaken by Ash. It got overtaken by Ashley. It got overtaken by JT. Yeah. Now, I think JT, the way that JT is in it, the role in J in uh, Paige's, like, you know, journey afterwards, I think is good. But I think that, you know, just because the way that Ashley and JT are handled doesn't mean that Hazel has to suffer in the process from a characterization standpoint. Yeah. So this, un like, I'm... I'm glad there was at least something in the script that had Hazel and Paige touching base. I also kind of appreciate, to a certain extent, that this is just an, just more of Hazel just being like, I understand, I feel you, but that doesn't mean I know what to do. Mm -hmm. um, next is Someone's in Love. It's Hazel asking if Paige is okay as they enter the school, and Paige is looking at a bus. We don't see who's at the bus, because um, a lot of these deleted scenes are really just one-camera shots. Yeah. Um, but we assume Dean is there. And as Paige is staring off at that bus and maybe Dean, Manny kind of tauntingly says, like, ooh, you're in love. And Hazel's just it's like, okay, let's go inside. Let, let's just try and fucking, like, rush this. Yeah. 
Uh, next is playing girlfriend. Um, this one's Ellie looking at the storyboard. She does a fucking storyboard for this project? What the <laughs> fuck? Um, does a storyboard for this perfume ad and directing Marco in the process. And Marco kind of grouses because Heather Sinclair is skipping rehearsal. And then Ellie says that if she, um, if she needs any tips for playing Marco's girlfriend, she's around. Ouch. <laughs> also, only the lead scene with Marco. Yes. Yes, I mean to be fair. Well, he's talked about in a deleted, in t- like a couple deleted scenes. No, he's also in the scene um, where they're walking down the hall and Marco is talking about how like you have to talk about how you feel. Right, 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 right. He's talked about a lot more in the deleted scenes than he's actually on screen though, which is interesting. Marco is the Heather Sinclair of the deleted scenes. <laughs> uh, next is tears are not enough. There's a lot of deleted scenes from this episode. Um, there's Dad's promise. Um, and this is kind of an extension of the scene in which Craig has the drink on the table and he doesn't have a coaster and his dad approaches him about it and says like, hey, can you, can you put it on the coaster? Craig just kind of freaks out. It's not the actor's best performance in the sense that he just kind of goes wide-eyed and it's kind of just very like staring and, and not quite as, uh, poised as I feel like sometimes he is with these scenes. Um, but... His dad sits over, he kind of, like, wipes the water off the table and puts it on a coaster, um, and then apologizes for the way that he took things out on Craig, especially with regards toward his feelings toward Craig's mom, um, and all Craig can kind of do at the end of it is just kind of smile awkwardly. Yeah. Uh, the next is Craig's fear, which is really just a slowed-down clip of when he flashes, when he, like, has that kind of PTSD response to his father approaching him and instead of what he actually does which which is come toward the kitchen table it's him launching over with a belt um you see a clip of this in a really quick flash in the episode i think this is just the slow down footage of it yeah uh next is people can change which i hate this but i kind of wish it was in it because it shows how much ashley does not fucking understand abuse um so it's ashley being like look Paige and I fucking hated each other for a while, but now we're back together because we gave each other second chances. And that's why you should give a second chance to your abusive father. And Craig just like, oh, it's not that simple. They should have done the, like, knowledgeable, non-knowledgeable sides of this with Sean and Ashley. Yes. Where then Sean's like, so like, burn his house to the ground. <laughs> yeah, leave and never look back. It It's kind of a shame because, like, I feel like what made... Uh, when Doves Cries so compelling was that connection between Sean and Craig as, like, two kids who came from fucked up shit. And I think that they could have driven Sean as as another survivor of parental bullshit a little more, and I think it would have resulted in in that, in, like, almost two extremes, right? Because Ashley's just like, forgive him, it's fine, it's whatever. Sean is saying, fuck him, like... I left my fucking parents and I have not looked back. And Craig being somewhere in the middle, being very torn and having these complicated feelings and and alternating between these two perspectives as well as in the middle. It kind of bums me out we didn't see a whole bunch more of Craig and Sean in season three. I I think it was like one of those things just kind of fell by the wayside. I think they had a vision with what they wanted to do with Sean. Sean ended up being one of the bad kids and they just kind of dropped it and I... It was full of a lot of potential. Well, it, did, it does pop up again with, um, I forget that scene, after Craig and Joey have the fight. Yes. And Craig goes over Sean's house. Yeah, and I, I do kind of almost at that point wish that there was a scene in which, like, almost like they acknowledge they don't really see each other, but Sean is just like, look, if you ever need anything, like, I get it. Yeah. I don't know. It's There's a lot going on in season three. They, they had, that's where... We've talked about it before in season three, how there's a vision that they're trying to see through. And I think little things about season two, unfortunately, a lot of the little things that I liked about Craig get dropped by season three. Yeah. Um, Next is study partners, um, which is JT whining about English. And then Manny's like, well, like, you know, you could get a tutor. Um, And then Emma says that she's tutoring Sean, so she can't tutor him. So JT's like, ooh, we could have a threesome of learning. Shut up, JT. I was just like, I'm in agony. Um, Did and then, you learn nothing from the guinea pigs, JT? I know. Well, somebody think of the guinea pigs. 
I can't remember their names because their names were not thematic. I'm sorry. Um, and then Manny suggests herself. And then JT and Toby laugh at her? Which is horrible. Mm-hmm. Leave my daughter alone. You fucks. Hey. <laughs> this does make the crush more confusing. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Though we all know why JT had a crush on her in the first place. It's true. Um, Fuck you, JT. God damn it, JT. <laughs> um, and then Toby uh, gestures toward Liberty, also making fun of my daughter and being like, well, she's a fucking Terminator of a tutor, so if you want to fucking learn, that's a great way. Ugh. Next is we complete each other. Um, Liberty approaches JT after the test while he's talking to Paige, and JT, um, you know, kind of, he got out earlier than Liberty, so she's checking in, and she gives him a big hug, and she says, I complete you! Um, and she says that, you know, she has her focus, and he has his natural intelligence, and that they are able to kind of make this happen. Hey, JT, remember when everybody was saying you couldn't be a vet because you're not smart enough? Hey, you notice what Liberty's doing real quick? Building you up as opposed to tearing you down like all those other nerds? Anyway. (laughs) Just a thought. Just a thought. Um, Next is pre-exam conversation, which is JT talking about how he studied like half an hour ago, um, and he was too busy thinking about asking Paige to the dance to possibly study the night before. Um, they pass by, and he's just, like, being super gross and weird and, like, being like, Paige, Paige, I can never stop saying that name, Paige, 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 Um, and as he passes by with, with Toby, um, he calls Paige, like, sweet potato, and she, like, waves back. Um, and he's like, I'll take what I can get. And Toby is just like, uh, can you please think about passing eighth grade? Just a fucking thought. I can't go to ninth grade alone. Like, I really can't. I will actually get shoved in a locker and never come out. I need you there, dude. Um, next is Craig's full reaction, um, which I quite liked because I think it, it nails the really weird emotional space that Craig is in in this episode, um, where he's talking about wanting to, about waiting to cry over his dad. Um, but then he's like, you know, I'm really fucking happy he's dead and he's gone for good. And and Joey is just kind of beside himself trying to figure out how to deal with this. See, this is the kind of reaction I had to hit me. Yes. I think this is would have been what Joey should have reacted with. Just kind of like, uh, mm, uh, it's a reaction. <laughs> uh, mm, mm. Brain, brain has performed a legal operation and must shut down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think that it, th- yeah, this, this kind of goes to what, when we have liked Joey being in over his head because he's just, he's just straight up not sure what to say. Yeah. Um, Next is I'm fine. Sean kisses Emma, um, and then Craig is leaving the school, and Sean approaches him and asks how he's doing, um, and Craig obviously is, like, really pissed off. He's like, I'm fine. Everyone's asking me how I'm doing. What the fuck? Um, and then he's like, I gotta go. I gotta pack up my dad's shit for the estate sale, and Sean literally runs away. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, cool. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like, fucking gone. Like, and when we say he runs away, it is not hyperbole. He is literally jogging away. I'm sure he's just like, Emma, I don't know what to do. Like, he's so angry. <laughs> like, I get it when I'm angry, but like, this is different. Like, it's different when I have to support someone who is angry. What, like, what, what do I do? I don't understand feelings. And yeah, I, right. And I was like, you came to me. Like, I was like, do you think I'm any better? <laughs> who should we go talk? Talk to Manny. <laughs> Talk to literally anyone. Anyone else. Uh, fuck. We need, we need to consult an expert cut to them talking to Spike. Right. <laughs> um, next is We Could Run, um, which is Toby showing the voting interface on the computer, and all the kids are kind of crowding around the computer. Um, Snake is behind them and scolds Ke- Kendra because she is not an 8th grader, so she cannot be in the running for this. Um, and she's like, oh man, and has to walk back to her seat. And then Liberty suggests that she and JT could be Luau, King and Queen. And everyone laughs at her for suggesting that. Once again, leave my daughter alone. Um, and then she kind of stomps off when Snake tells her to, and JT and Toby kind of roll her eyes as she leaves. A lot of these deleted scenes are really just them being unnecessarily mean to our kids who are not white. Yep. It sucks. Um, and then the last one, c- continuing that trend, is fucking 
to get the vote, which is like Jimmy awkwardly sneezing into his hand, and then into into, into his leg. Yeah, well, that was even worse. Um, and then like these two no name kids are just like, if you do the hula, we'll vote for you. And Hazel does the saddest fucking hula for their votes. Okay, well, I do have to call Jimmy on this because you just see Jimmy's hand pushing her towards them. Yeah. It's it's so... She's... We joke about being dead inside. She is dead inside. Like, she's just frowning and it's, it's awful. Nothing. Her wrist vaguely She, she stops. <laughs> she stops halfway through. It's It's bleak. I hated every moment of it. I did too. It was really sad. Um, it was the saddest scene, and that was the last deleted scene for the fucking season. <sighs> so anyway. <laughs> so yeah, not very many of these, especially in the back half, to really write home about. I think a couple of them were pretty good. Some of them, I feel like ultimately, even if I kind of liked how they were done, I think ultimately they, you know, the episode did it fine. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's always kind of good to see what ended up on the cutting room floor, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think the big loss, honestly, from season two that I'm seeing is a lot of these lead scenes had Kendra in it. And it's a shame because I really, truly enjoy Kendra as a character, and I just feel like she was super underutilized. And I know that happened, and the thing is, like, I understand that the actress eventually, like, left, and that's totally valid, and that especially when it's, like, kid actors, like, you know, sometimes you gotta... But, like, it seems like there was just stuff on the cutting room floor that used her that they just didn't include. Yeah. And it's a bummer. And I feel like if she she was, if Kendra was a character in, like, 2019, she would be, like, a top-tier character. Because she's, like, actually what kids are like in 2019. Tumblr would have fucking loved her. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. She, she would have been fabulous. Um, so, R.I.P. Kendra, as always, yeah. on here. So that's it for season two, deleted scenes. Uh, we were kicking around the idea of doing auditions next, but honestly, I think we're good to go. I think we're ready to jump back into season four, which we're super excited about. We got our guests ready and willing and able. Um, we are also just as, as rough as this season is. I really want to see it through. I think it's really important to talk about, especially in 2019 with some of these themes that happened in this season. Um, so I'm super excited to be back in that sense. Um, so. Thank you, everybody, who has supported us during this hiatus. Thank you for everybody who has been giving me the time to kind of move on with my life um, and deal with shit. Um, but I'm super happy to be kind of back into the usual schedule that we have, and I hope you are as well. Um, but if you want to keep in touch with us, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. Feel free to send us any audio clips as well as any um, text that you may have about how the episodes, characters, seasons, whatever, impacted you, influenced you in some way, shape, or form. Um, I especially, a couple people on, on social media have told me about how they have written fanfic or did fan work back in the day or their interactions with Degrassi fandom. I would love to hear more of those types of stories because I was a very specific subset in, in Degrassi. I wasn't super active in the fandom, but I was on the N uh, board and things like that. So I would love to hear more stories from people about that. What were your ships when you were a kid? Are they different now? Like, did you write fanfic? That type of stuff. Definitely tell us. Um, also, if you're interested in becoming a guest for our show, you are always welcome. Um, we are getting back into the swing of things, recording season four. So if you have any episodes that are coming up quickly, please contact us as soon as possible. But if you have later episodes or even season five, there's a couple things you want to appear on. Do not hesitate to email us. Let us know. It is a paid thing. So if you want to make a couple quick bucks to talk about Degrassi with us, it is never a bad time, we hope. Um, also, if you want to keep in touch with us on social media, we have two major platforms that you can do that. You can follow us on Twitter at IHopePod, and you can also join our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Um, also, we are super psyched to announce that we have secured two people to help us transcribe our podcast. Thank you very much to those two people. Um, and we will hopefully be getting um, those done soon for you. And, and especially if you know either you want to read them to kind of see exactly what the fuck we were saying, or if you have a friend who maybe has always been interested but has audio processing difficulties, um, we do have these to be able to make the show more accessible coming soon. Um, 
If you would like to support our podcast, there are two major ways that you could do it. You can um, join our rating and review challenge. Once we hit 20, we are going to go back into the Degrassi archives and give you some extra bonus content all about Degrassi High and Degrassi Junior High. So Frank's talked about how he's been trying to keep himself spoiler free about Snake. And we do want to have him experience Snake um, when he was a teenager. So definitely help us out with the reviews and ratings. And of course, as always, we have a coffee account. Any money that we make off the coffee account goes toward compensating our guests, the people that are helping us uh, trans uh, transcribe parts of the podcast, as well as tech upgrades. So do not hesitate to give us money if you feel so so inclined. Um, if you want to talk to me individually, you can follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. Uh, I don't have a Twitter, um, but I do have another podcast called... Uh, teen Girl Talk. It's where my sister and I talk about other teen media. Uh, the week this comes out, we'll be doing The Hills. I've not yet watched it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be a time. Yeah, because after that, we're doing like The Hills, the next generation, where the fuck it is. The New Hills. I kind of wish I, I, I want to watch it. <laughs> Let's watch it tonight. Because <laughs> um, we know I love reality TV. <laughs> anyway, everyone, on behalf of Frank. Me, Dahlia, who is currently curled up on our free at my feet. We hope we can keep making it through and that you're gonna be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running Didn't make sense not to live for fun Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb So much to do, so much to see So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go You'll never shine if you don't glow Hey now, you're an all-star Get your game on